0: Good morning, I'm John, and this is The Daily Wrestling News Show for October 6th. Wrestling fandom can be funny. Hell, there are people who actually celebrate the careers of guys like X-Pac and The Miz. I don't personally understand it, but it happens. Wrestling fandom can be elitist. While some of us bask in the good fortune of living in an era where there's more wrestling available for mass consumption than any mere mortal can make time for, others have their favorite show or company that they watch they don't want to hear about your stupid favorites because clearly they suck and wrestling fandom can be toxic spend any time on wrestling twitter wrestling reddit or a private wrestling group on facebook and it becomes evident very quickly but there are some facts and figures in the history of wrestling that we can all agree bring a smile to our faces what beloved giant of the wrestling industry was lost on this day in 1999 Hey there, if you're listening to this, then chances are you love wrestling. And if you care to continue the conversation with me, John, and other listeners of this show, then I invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Just search for Daily Wrestling News Show or go to facebook.com groups slash wrestling news show and click join. We cannot wait to meet you there. The group is brand new, so if you're one of the first to join, don't be afraid to say hi. Now, on with the show. No, not the giant but I'm sure we'll talk about him in late January. This literal and figurative giant I'm referring to is none other than the great Gorilla Monsoon. While plenty of people would rank Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler as the greatest announced duo of all time, and I can't blame them, those two were the voice of the greatest era of wrestling of all time, I will never hesitate to tell you that my personal favorite duo will always be Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, and I know I'm not alone on that. Monsoon and Heenan had such a polished back and forth, It was almost like they were a professional comedy team from a bygone era. Gorilla would call out a move and find a way to use his degree in physical education to properly describe the body part being attacked. Heenan would immediately fire back with some absurdity or double entendre, leading to the signature, will you stop, from Monsoon, and my brother and I would giggle like 10-year-olds long after we were actual 10-year-olds. But Robert James Morella had a legitimate amateur athletic background and the mind of a thoughtful businessman and those traits made him one of the absolutely irreplaceable figures in the history of professional wrestling. He was born and raised in the Rochester, New York area. His incredible size and athleticism for his era led to him being a three sports star at Thomas Jefferson High School. He was an all-city football player on both the offensive and defensive lines at an unheard-of size of 6'4 and 250 pounds, as well as a shot put and discus champion on the track and field team to go along with his accolades as heavyweight amateur wrestling champion. By the time he arrived at Division III Ithaca College, Monsoon was 6'5 and hovering around 300 pounds. While that could be just about any NFL lineman of today, in the late 1950s, it made Morella one of the largest college football players of the day, and still an Iron man or two-way lineman. He set school records for the shot put in discus, achieved Dean's List status en route to that aforementioned degree in physical education, and in his best sport, his 18-second pin in the heavyweight wrestling ranks, still stands as a school record to this day. As a senior from tiny Division III Ithaca, Morella competed all the way to the Division I heavyweight finals in Ames, Iowa, where he would finish second in the country to Ted Ellis of Oklahoma State University. Coincidentally, a Michigan State wrestler finished second in that year's tournament in the 191-pound weight class. That young man's name was Tim Wooden, a.k.a. George Wooden, a.k.a. Tim Woods, a.k.a. Mr. Wrestling, who we talked about just the other day. But back to Morella. He would go on to compete as part of the U.S. national team and had hopes of making the 1960 Olympic team. But that spot as Greco-Roman heavyweight would again go to 1956 Olympic team member and 1959 Pan American Games winner Dale Lewis, who would also go on to become a professional wrestler. When Morella's professional wrestling career kicked off in the early 60s, he had given himself the nickname Gino. Big wrestling towns in the area he grew up, like Buffalo, Cleveland, and Toronto, loved an Italian-American babyface, especially one they could claim to be a local boy with an all-American amateur background. But Morella's incredible size and above-average athleticism for the times made it tough to sell any heel as dominating him. And what good is a babyface comeback unless you believe he's on the edge of a loss to the dastardly heel? So the clean-shaven babyface grew out a messy beard, and remade himself into a terrifying heel. A 1963 tour of Japan would earn Morella the nicknames The White Elephant and The Human Typhoon. He impressed legendary Japanese wrestler and promoter Giant Baba on this tour, which led to an introduction to Bobby Davis, Vincent J. McMahon's top heel manager at the time, and it was a no-brainer to bring him into the fold as McMahon's Capital Wrestling Corporation was becoming the WWF. Roughly based on his Japanese nicknames, the character of Gorilla Monsoon, because it rolled off the tongue more smoothly than Elephant Typhoon, was born in the summer of 63. Billed at 6'7 and 400 pounds, only Haystack's Calhoun was a bigger performer in this world before we met Andre. The gimmick was, Monsoon was discovered wading nude in a stream in the Manchurian wilderness where China meets Russia. He didn't speak a word of English, but at his size, there wasn't much need for talking. His huge break would come in October of 64, when the failing health of Buddy Rogers left Vincent Sr. scrambling for a top heel to face Bruno Sammartino. The bruno Rogers rematch had drawn so much attention that it was moved from MSG to the outdoor Roosevelt Stadium in Jersey City to handle the expected record crowd. When Rogers was ruled out medically, a last-minute tournament was put together on WWF television the weeks before the show, and Monsoon destroyed everyone including top-heel Buddy Austin in the finals. The old McMahon formula was followed to a tee. A bloody Bruno lost by DQ to the Monster in front of 18,000 fans. The rematch sold out MSG and ended in a double countout. And Bruno finally got his win to wrap up the trilogy in front of another sold-out MSG crowd in mid-November, which meant it was now time to take this feud to the secondary markets of the territory, like Philly, Pittsburgh, and D.C. When WWWF added the Boston market to their territory in 1965, Bruno and Monsoon was the first main event in the legendary Boston Garden. I don't wanna break down every feud of his career, but because it's just so funny to me, I'm gonna go through one more memorable stretch. After a stint as tag champ, alongside Killer Kowalski, Monsoon circled back around for another trilogy with Bruno in early 67. In February, Monsoon wins by count out in front of a sold out crowd at MSG again. In March, another sellout sees a time limit draw, but the bell rang to signify the time expiring as Bruno had Monsoon covered and the ref was already at 2. When the third match took place in May, the building was close to capacity, but not quite a sellout. The fans were still so pissed at the screwy ending in March that not even a Texas Deathmatch stipulation would bring some of them back. Now, by no means was the building empty or even close to it. But Sam Martino Monsoon had sold out MSG and many other places a dozen times prior and turned people away at the gates most often. Maybe I'm a bad person for getting a chuckle from it, but the fact of fans in 1967 getting that pissed at a lame McMahon-booked ending is going to make me smile all week. Ah, the more things change. As most heels with longevity eventually do, Monsoon would get a run as a good guy in the early 1970s. After saving Bruno San Martino from a heelish double-team beatdown, Bruno would later return the favor, and Gorilla would become a kinder, even if not necessarily gentler, character for a while. But his babyface turn found him in the role of Stepping Stone. Similar to Jake Roberts preparing heels to take the next step to Hogan in the 80s, monsoon would be the buildup feud for a rising heel just before Bruno, and later Pedro Morales. While he did most of his losing via count-out, Good Guy Gorilla did plenty of losing. Having debuted as a character who didn't speak a word of English, by the early 1970s, Monsoon was often acting as tag partner, manager, or mouthpiece for Pedro Morales, and was now a well-spoken interview subject. The Manchurian character was wiped from the collective memory —doesn't that sound very WWE familiar— and Monsoon became the New Jersey Giant, billed from the Garden State Township of Willingboro. Monsoon's relationship with Vince Sr. was great. As Gorilla's career moved along, he became more valuable to McMahon backstage by the day. Vince was the booker and Monsoon was his locker room leader and sheriff when the need arose. When Vince Sr.'s 50-50 partner in the WWWF passed away, Monsoon was quick to buy up some of the available ownership in the company. Although stories vary, Monsoon may have owned as much as 20% of the WWWF. Always a smart businessman, Monsoon also bought into the new territory in Puerto Rico. When a group including Carlos Colon started Capital Wrestling in 1974, there was huge interest. The fledgling federation was regularly selling out 30,000 seat soccer stadiums. Monsoon not only worked the shows, facing everyone from Bruno to later Andre and Bob Backlund, he would eventually own 10% interest in the business and function as the lead liaison for talent sharing with the WWWF. And how tough was it for the locker room leader to convince guys to take a vacation from harsh northeast winters to fly to beautiful Puerto Rico for a weekend getaway that could nab them a payday much larger than anything they could book in the States. In 1976, Monsoon would have what is arguably the biggest moment in his career in terms of nationwide exposure. The situation came out of nowhere and went nowhere, but it made sports reports across the country and beyond. Guerrilla was rarely even working in ring at this point of his career, but during a random Allentown PA TV taping, his match would be interrupted by none other than Muhammad Ali. Ali peppered the big man with jabs, but Monsoon would grab the champ, and give him a ride in Gorilla's signature airplane spin. It was all part of Ali's preparation to work with Antonio Inoki later that summer. It didn't do much for Monsoon beyond one sports news cycle worth of TV clips, but the post-incident interview did allow Monsoon to drop his future catchphrase for the first time, when he took a shot at Ali by claiming the man, quote, didn't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch. Guerrilla Monsoon's last run at the top of the card, so I'm putting over superstar Billy Graham. After retiring from in-ring action with little fanfare in 1979, Monsoon remained an integral part of the backstage hierarchy. One of his main jobs in the days before referee earpieces was to make himself visible to the ref and timekeeper for important cues from backstage. When Gorilla removed his glasses, the referee would prompt the wrestlers it was time to wrap things up. This is why, while wrestling companies around the world refer to the area just beyond the curtain as the GO position, in the WWE it will always and forever be referred to as Gorilla position. By the early 80s, Monsoon sells off his interest in the Puerto Rico territory, and Vince Jr. buys out all his father's partners to take over control of WWF. Part of monsoon's deal with vince jr is a lifetime job with the company monsoon goes on to his biggest level of fame as wwe's lead tv announcer alongside jesse ventura and later bobby heenan the role that i imagine the majority of people listening right now came to know and love him in he was the voice of most of the in-ring action for the golden era of professional wrestling he remained an important part of the company both on screen and off through the good times and bad including losing his son wwe referee joey morella after a car accident on the New Jersey Turnpike in July of 1994 at the age of 30. Monsoon's last long-term role as WWF president, replacing Jack Tunney in 1995, is one he would serve until health issues caused him to retire in 1997. The title of president was retired along with Monsoon, as when Sergeant Slaughter became the new on-screen authority figure, he would take on the title of commissioner. Monsoon was never far from the WWF, though making several appearances until very near the end of his life. In late August of 99, he would make his final appearance as guest commentator on an international version of WWF Superstars. He suffered a mild heart attack in mid-September, and after being told he would need a pacemaker and multiple weekly dialysis treatments, Gorilla Monsoon decided he did not want to spend the rest of his life hooked up to machines, and in his words, it was time to check out. He left the Philadelphia hospital for his home in Morristown, New Jersey, where he would succumb to heart failure as complication of his diabetes on this day, October 6th of 1999, at the age of 62. I don't mind telling you that as I watched Bobby Heenan struggle to keep his composure in order to deliver a very short but poignant goodbye to his dear friend at the opening of that week's Nitro broadcast, someone in my house was definitely cutting onions. WWF ran a tribute at the opening of SmackDown, narrated by Vince McMahon himself. He would refer to Monsoon as, quote, one of the finest men I've ever known, a very special man who lived a very special life, end quote. I know personally, I think of him every time I remove my baseball cap and scratch my external occipital protuberance, and I always will. This has been the Daily Wrestling News Show for October 6th, 2022.